You are listening to the Ridgewood Church Podcast on the sermon series entitled, Light, Experiencing Christ in the Psalms. Well, I can only imagine that Joseph would have been confused and maybe somewhat afraid. He had planned on taking his betrothed wife and divorcing her in secret, thus protecting her honor. Now, all of a sudden, an angel was speaking to him. And I don't know about you, but it's, in my life, it's not an everyday occasion that an angel shows up at my doorstep, except, of course, when Wendy comes home from work. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We'll see if there's another present under the tree now. But I think for him, even more astounding was what the angel was saying to him. He was talking about conception by the Holy Spirit. He, he, was, he, was, he was talking about this son that would be amazing and the things that he would do. And this conversation is chronicled in the book of Matthew, chapter 1, 20 through 21. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And that's an amazing sentence right there. He will save the people, his people, from their sins. And I think about that, and I think, wow, this mission that Jesus was on was so much more than we've made it out to be. He, he was coming for a, a reason, and that reason involved being rescued from the ravages of sin. Now, the disciples understood this mission very clearly in 1 John 4, 4, at least toward the end of his ministry there. We see these words, we, we have seen and testify that the Father has sent His Son to save the world. And so the disciples knew it, the church fathers knew it, many Christians that have gone before us, well, they've all understood it. But what about you? Do you know it, do you believe it, that Jesus has come to save people from their sins? And for those that do know it, are you willing to live in light of that differently? Because Christmas isn't about just really wonderful family gatherings. It's not just about getting some rest in the holidays. It's, it's so much more than that. It's about someone who came to save the world. It's about the incarnation. It's about God becoming man. And this morning we're going to learn more about that, and we're going to learn why it had to be Him, why it had to be the Son of God. Only Jesus can save the world. Only Jesus can do that. Now during Advent, we've been looking at Jesus in the Psalms, and we've seen Him rejected by His own people. We've seen Him betrayed by people closest to Him, but we've seen Him also as a future king with victory, a king that will allow us to reign with him forever when we simply believe in who he is. 
And today, we're going to see another aspect of Jesus in the Psalms. We're going to see the incarnated Savior who has come to save you and save me. So take your Bibles, if you would, and we're going to turn this morning to Psalm 40. Psalm 40, and we're going to begin in verse 6. And if you want to grab that Bible that's in the seat back in front of you, you certainly are welcome to do that. You'll find this passage on page 468. You can also download your Ridgewood app, and you'll have all of your study notes there and the text as well. Psalm 40, beginning in verse 6. The amazing truth of the power of Christ to save is found in this psalm. It's reiterated again in Hebrews 10, because this is God's answer to the sacrificial system. Christ is the answer to sin. We wouldn't need the sacrificial system anymore because Jesus would come and he would offer the final atoning sacrifice for sin. And that's why he is the only one that can save the world. And that's what David is writing about in his context himself. But because of typology, the psalmist alluding to Jesus so the psalmist is David, and in verses 6 through 10, we understand that Jesus came to achieve something that the Old Testament sacrifices couldn't achieve, and that's salvation for New Testament worshipers like you and me. So we'll unpack the text, but here it is beginning in verse 6. In sacrifice and offering you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear, Burnt offering and sin offering you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written of me, I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips, as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. And so this is Jesus in the Psalms more than a thousand years before the birth in Bethlehem. And it's addressing a key problem and it's pointing toward the coming Messiah. And the problem that we're dealing with here is sin. Sin is the problem. If we don't talk about sin, we don't understand the gospel. If we don't understand the ravages of sin, we don't understand the need for the incarnation. Sin is destructive and it's awful. One of the best definitions of sin that I've seen comes from theologian Wayne Grudem. Sin is any failure to conform to the moral law of God in act, attitude, or nature. Nature being who you are, the nature of your being. So this is sin, failure to conform to the moral law of God, rebellion against God, a failure to live in the way that God has intended us to live. And what sin does is it breaks us, it breaks our relationships, it breaks our relationship with God to the point now where we can no longer relate to a holy God. And the penalty ultimately is eternal death, separated from God in torment. But Jesus came to offer himself so that wouldn't have to be the end game for the people that would follow him. But sin is a serious 
problem and it affects all of us. We are all stained with it. We have to deal with it. But the question that is interesting to talk about is what about those before Christ? What about pre-Messianic believers? What about those who worshiped Yahweh? How did they deal with sin? Well, there was the sacrificial system. And as we learn more about the incarnation, we understand in the Old Testament, sacrifices put sins aside. So there could be forgiveness, but sins weren't ultimately dealt with. Sins were put aside. Here's what was happening in the Old Testament. They, they knew the Messiah would be the ultimate answer, and God developed this system by which sins could be dealt with in this world of sacrificing animals. Now, it was gory, it was messy business. Death, the whole thing. And, and you can only imagine, if you go visit the old city of Jerusalem, you can walk along the outside, and you can see where some of these booths were, where they were selling animals for those that had traveled a long distance to sacrifice their animals. And so it must have been loud, it must have been, the odor must have been awful, it must have been not great. But see, all of that was simply getting ready a precursor to the Lamb of God who would come and give His life in a messy, gory, awful way. His blood would spill. And when they would bring their animals, the animals, you know, had to be spotless because holiness had to be sacrificed because there's a holy God. And Jesus could bring that to the table. But God was creating this idea of incarnation. This terminology here in verse 6 is interesting. But you have given me an open ear. And you think of that and go, what are you talking about? But it could be translated, a body you prepared for me. And that kind of language is mirrored in the book of Hebrews, chapter 10, 5 through 7. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offering and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. This messianic idea, this typology of David speaking, but Jesus coming through his words. And the idea of preparing a body is very clearly there. And so the author of Hebrews understands this. And ears were apparently a symbol, a symbol of listening and obeying God. And so there's a holistic approach to worship here. But in the Greek, the Greek translators regarded the ears as a figure of something more. In other words, if you're going to fashion an ear, if you're going to mold out an ear, then you have to have a body. And so there's this aspect here of a body being prepared in order for the incarnation to happen, for God to become man, for Jesus to become man. And it hits the ground when we understand that in order for Jesus to be our representative, to be our new Adam, because the old Adam just brought death and destruction because he fell into sin and stained us all with it, the new Adam would bring life because he would now become our representative. But the incarnation was the way it would have to happen. Sins were put aside in the Old Testament. 
So you can only imagine that you come with your animal, you ask for forgiveness, the priest would go once a year into the temple and sprinkle blood on the, on the mercy seat to atone for the sins of Israel. And sins truly were forgiven of the, of the person asking, but they weren't dealt with ultimately. They are put into like a compartment awaiting Messiah who would then come and atone for sin and sin would then finally be dealt with. It was all waiting for Jesus. Jesus is the only one that can save the world. And so in order to do that, we see that the incarnation was absolutely necessary because there had to be a new Adam. Couldn't have the old Adam. The old Adam is sinful and full of death. We had to have a new Adam, a new representative for the human race, and it had to be a perfect representative. So it couldn't be any of us because we're all stained with sin. Now, the natural consequence of sin is a penalty. If you commit a crime, you do the time. But in Psalm 40, verse 9 now, we see that Jesus can literally deliver us from that. Look at verse 9. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. And so amazingly, not only are we delivered from sin, but we are given the gift of righteousness. Because this word deliverance here, if you translate it into the original Hebrew, it refers to the righteousness of God. And so we are not only accepted, but we are handed righteousness through the work of Jesus Christ. And you see that in the next verse, I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. So this gift is from the Father through Jesus, righteousness. And so this is why it's so important to understand that Jesus is the only one that can save us because when it comes time for us to be in heaven, and I don't want to give you the idea that we have to go through some gates and things like that, but I am saying that we will be able to walk into heaven robed in righteousness through Christ. It's nothing that we do. And that's the gift. But only Jesus can give that. Because only Jesus could be a perfect sacrifice. This is why the incarnation and the virgin birth is vital to our theology and our understanding of what's happening here. That animal had to be sinless. Jesus had to be sinless. But that can't be accomplished if you're stained with sin. You know, we, 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 we see our beautiful babies and our children and we think, wow, they, there's no way they can be stained with sin until they come home and then they disobey and then you realize, yes, that's a true doctrine. But here's the thing. Then who would be able to stand in for us? Who would become the new Adam? Who would pay the penalty for our sin? Well, it's Jesus. And here's how it happened. The virgin birth, conception by the Holy Spirit, became the way of, in a sense, skipping over the line of sin. The line of sin did not affect Jesus because he wasn't conceived by a man and a woman. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. So now you have a person that can go to the cross as the perfect lamb. And it's really, really fascinating and wonderful because then we're saved from the problem of sin. And no longer do the sacrifices have to be put aside. Now Jesus has come to take them as far as the east is from the west. 
Because Messiah finally had come. He's that atonement. And he's the only one that has the authority to do this. And so what I want to challenge you with this morning is this question. Only Jesus can save you, so will you let him? Will you let him save you? And if you're already a believer, if you follow Jesus, then are you going to commit yourself to the mission of following him? There's a lot of people that say, yes, I'm a Christian. Yes, I'm an evangelical Christian. I honestly don't know what that means anymore. I think I'm just going to call myself a Jesus follower. But then what exactly does that mean in your life? How does that affect the way you live? What about your priorities? What about your future? How you're planning your life? How you use your money? How you use your time? How does following Jesus reflect in your life? Don't be fooled to think for a second that Jesus is going to settle for just being the center of some Christmas, Christmas celebration. We're all, you ever gather and going to have a party? Let's all have a party. I'd raise my hand and say, no, thank you. I'll be home watching television. Have a great party. I go to bed at 8 o'clock. You know, it's like you, don't, you can party till 8.30. I can't come. It's not quite that bad, but it's getting there. Jesus didn't come just to ease the pain of our lives, even though I know there's a tremendous amount of pain going on in the holidays. People come up to me with tears in their eyes, and they say, man, like, I'm hurting. This, this Christmas is really hard because I've lost people. Jesus didn't come just for that. Jesus didn't come just to be that cute little piece on your nativity scene in your house only to be put in a box when Christmas is over. Jesus came to save the world. And so we need to be on that mission ourselves. Luke 19.10 says it really clearly, that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And so we are to seek and save the lost. Now, if you have not followed Jesus, this morning you can have new life. This morning you can deal with sin. This morning you can understand that everything you've done, all of the garbage that you're carrying around, all of the shame, or even if you don't think that you're that bad a person, but you can go back and say, yeah, you know, there were some things, you need to deal with that. And here's how you can follow Jesus. First, you have to recognize that sin problem. And here's, here's a note to those who follow Jesus. It's good to stay in touch with our sin problem because it humbles us. And realize that when people hurt you or do weird stuff or say weird things, they're broken just like you. But you need to understand this is a true problem that will separate you from God for all of eternity without the work of Christ. Secondly, you need to repent of that sin. You need to say you're sorry. You need to mean it. You have to, that sin has to bother you enough where you say, man, I'm, I'm really sorry. I understand that I'm sinful. And then after recognizing and repenting, then you receive forgiveness. And this is probably the hardest part of walking with Jesus, and that is just receiving the forgiveness that he offers because somehow there's a comfort in walking around with shame and guilt. And we don't really believe that Jesus can forgive us. That's for other people. No, Jesus offers forgiveness to you. And then after you receive that forgiveness, you believe. You believe that Jesus came and died on the cross, as a representative of the human race, that that is the final atonement. In theological terms, we call that a penal substitutionary atonement. Penal means the legal system. 
substitutionary, meaning it was Jesus that stood in for us, atonement. And that is a binding legal action that will save all who come. Then to top it off, Jesus rose from the dead and then became the first fruit so we can follow him into eternal life. Believe that. And then finally, we ask Jesus to be the leader of our life, to be in control of our life. And so it's recognizing, it's repenting, it's receiving, it's believing, and asking. And then, through the mystery of God's incredible power, we are clean, and we can live forever, and we can begin to have a life that doesn't have all that shame and all of that guilt we are forgiven. Now, tomorrow at our candlelight services at 3.30 and 5, I'm going to talk about Jesus as the light of the world who has come to expose darkness and crush darkness. And that's why it's important to invite your friends because there's no better description of Christ than the light of the world. And this is what the angel was trying to tell Joseph. But you can only understand what it would be like to be Joseph saying, what what are you talking about? Because he was saying, your son's going to be way different. He's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit, or he already has. He's going to be the Savior of the world, Joseph. And Joseph must have thought, wow, this is new. But here's the point for you and me. In order for that to happen, the incarnation had to happen. And it did. And Jesus died for you and rose again. So it had to be the Son of God that did this. Only Jesus can save you, and only Jesus can save the world And I want to offer you Jesus this morning. If you have any inkling that you want to follow him, I'll be here after. Pastor Neil's here to talk to someone that you respect or that you came with and just say, I'm interested in in this. And if you're struggling in your spiritual life, we want to talk to you as well. Thank you for joining us on the Ridgewood Church Podcast. For more faith-based resources or information about Ridgewood Church, visit us at myrwc.org.